Halo Chill Video Game Bullshit My name is Jeffrey Wittenhagen, and I'm a published author slash writer. Video games, both old and new, are my passion. I recently had a successful Kickstarter for my NES collector's book called The Complete NES, and I'm currently doing a massive overhaul of my original book called Hidden Gaming Gems, uh, creating a new NES game to go with it. I also have tons of projects in the works. My blog is at hagensalley.wordpress.com, and I'm on a lot of forums as a Subcon 3. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. <laughs> You know what's funny is as I was listening to you explain the um the good luck portion with like you said it was like you had to be like an eggplant on like Fuji Mountain with a condor. You know what's funny is all of that is basically ice climbers. Cause you go up a mountain, there's a condor at the top that you have to touch, and there's eggplants. <laughs> I didn't think of it till I like I mentioned that there was an eggplant and ice climber. Then as you explained it, I'm like, that's fucking ice climber. Like the uh, Kid Icarus and, you know, all just uh, Adventure Island. And, and then, like, ice climbers, like, the culmination. And then it's in Wrecking Crew, too. Mm-hmm. Little eggplant guys walking around. I don't, eat it. I don't care how bad it is. I want to eat it just cause I, so I can say I've eaten eggplant. No. I've had eggplant before. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's always like a bad guy. So I figured it was like a shit food, like a um, Brussels sprouts or something. Yeah, it's just not. I don't care for it. Maybe I just never had it prepared good either, or prepared well. Yeah, but Judy can make it awesome. She's all insane like that. Eggplant City, man. Yeah, that's that's so funny though. Yeah, that the little eggplant times is ice climber <laughs> with the mountain and the condor and the the craziness. <laughs> I, that's a game um, I always wanted to get really good at. You really have to master the jumping because it's, it's got a quirky jump. I think that's the one nuance of that game that needs to be, like, the thing you concentrate on. Like, mastering that jump because it has that weird arc to it, you know? And you go, like, through the side of the platform a little bit, too. Yeah, and then there's, like, yeah, the, the way the pixels interact with each other and, like, the hitboxes and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. It reminds me of, like, Mario Brothers, the way those hitboxes work. Like, just, t that's, you know, that's basically the old school NES black box, you know, stuff. Yeah, but it's like the the jump isn't as precise as Mario, obviously. And Mario's real slippery. Yeah. Mario Brothers. Not Super Mario Brothers. I remember when I was a kid and I was like, there's a Mario Brothers, like, before Super Mario Brothers? Like, they, like, blew my mind. Yeah, I played the arcade before it, so because um I had it for the Atari twenty six hundred. So oh, yeah. I had it as a really kid, primitive. so it was like 
I got that as a like a Christmas present or something way before any of this. <laughs> so I like when I played Super Mario Brothers, I'm like, oh, this is way better than the Atari one. Did you have like? Did you keep the box or probably not? But um, I have it now. Oh, okay. So you ended up tracking down one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some some guy in Nintendo Age was saying like it was an interesting like it just made me think it was the Chocobo guy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. He's like the it's like a yellow chocobo. It's like his avatar. Mm-hmm. But um, he was saying how people hoard up all the games, like because it was basically a a thread about the um, it was it turned in like a train wreck of a thread. This one was bad. Like I don't even know where it went. Like at the end, it was just like in twenty different places. A lot of times they do like split off into these whacked out like tentacles and stuff, and then it just gets insane. Yeah. yeah, it was basically about how there are, like, certain collectors that only collect, like, the popular games, like the Zeldas, the Mega Mans, you know, Mario 3s, like, there's a certain name for them, I don't even know, I don't really even care, but... Quality collectors? And he was, it was just something about that, but um, he was just saying how, he's like, I'm with these guys because all of you, like, super OCD collectors have to have, you know every game and every variant of every game and you have Barbie and you have Little Mermaid and Sesame Street and Fisher Price and you're never going to play these games and someone out there really wants this game because they had it during <laughs> their childhood and you shouldn't, you know, he's like, well, why do you buy eight Game Boy Colors when you only need one? Like, why don't you let other people have them? And like, and I've said that before too, like I actually left like a Tengen Tetris, I could have got it for 20 bucks, but I already have one. So I was like, no, I'm just going to let someone else get it. Like, But on the other side of the coin, and on the defense of if you already have the game, and he's basically saying, like, why? He's, he's like, okay, so if I see somebody, like like Jeff is a good example, who has games that they like in their collection, I can gauge their personality. But people who just have everything in the collection, the only thing I can gauge is that they're sickly OCD. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, he has a point there. He definitely and, has a point. But the thing is, like, the other side is, like, well, if you earned if you earned the money and you went out hunting and you found all those games, well, more power to you. I mean, it's theirs. They, if you buy something, it's yours. And, yeah. I mean, the other, you know, side of the coin with even your Tengen Tetris is you could have picked that up. And then on a form like Nintendo H, somebody needs one, you trade it for something that you need. That's what people do all the time. Mm-hmm, trade bait style. Yeah, and it's that's completely reasonable, and it keeps it in the Nintendo Age community instead of just going to some reseller Jamoke who probably bought your Tengen Tetris and then flipped it for what it's worth now. It's going to a good home. Exactly. So, I mean, there's there's ways to look at it. I mean, of course, yeah, there's a lot of ways, a, a kaleidoscope of ways. Yeah, I mean, you could have flipped it too on eBay and made you know more money. So you can get more games. I mean. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's capitalism. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's money. Money is worth something. Yeah. I mean, it's just the world that we're born into. It, yeah, it was It was like that post I put on Facebook where I said, if you say you're going to walk by an Earthbound for a dollar and not buy it because you already have one, you're lying. <laughs> oh, yeah. like why, That would be just a dumbass thing to do. That's like walking past $200 and just not yeah. picking it up. Yeah, but like a Tengen Tetris, but for like twenty bucks, and back when you bought it, you probably it's probably worth about forty. You know what I mean, or fifty maybe. 
It was like it was like eh, at that time. It's like maybe I'll leave it. Nowadays, if you saw it for that price, you'd probably pick it up. Yeah, the the whole thing with like what I just said, picking up like two hundred dollars in this. If if there was a wallet there, I would totally report it to the police. If there were just two hundred dollars mm-hmm. like randomly floating in the air, yeah. um, I would just put it in my wallet. Like there's some people that would still report it to the police, but I don't understand why. I just found this two hundred dollars floating there. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of Chicago because the wind's always crazy. There's always shit flying by. Like it's crazy. Yeah, you, you'd be surprised. They call it but, the Windy City for a reason, man. Yeah, the closer you get to like Michigan, the hardcore, more hardcore it gets. But that's the whole thing. Like, what are you gonna do? You know. Um, but I did want to use that as a segue. It's so cool in Japan, if you lose your wallet or, um, any like personal item, if they can trace it back to you, well, not, first of all, they, they won't pick it up if it's like in the middle, it's just like in the middle of the street. No one's going to like grab it. They're just going to leave it there. You know, in Japan, they're like, that's not my personal item. That's not my deal. It's not my business. But, um. Eventually, if it's just sitting there and maybe someone sees it a few times or whatever, they'll actually look at the wallet, find your address, and d- and deliver it to you personally. Nice. Like, when do you get that in America? Different culture, man. Totally. We're completely selfish, you know, what we can get culture out here. Yeah, and I remember, like, Luke Morris, he was like, um, he does awesome videos where he's just walking on the streets of Japan. So it's like, if you want to see what end where he's riding his bike, too. And driving. So if you want to see what Japan looks like, I'd recommend some of his videos because he lives in Japan. But uh, he walked by, he walked by like a post or something, and someone had hung like a umbrella on the post, and he was like, "Oh, someone must have lost their umbrella." And it was just cool because like no one wants your shit. Like, yeah, it just it's it's all. But that's uh, that's really awesome as far as Japan goes, and that just makes perfect Swiss uh, segue back to video games because. Japan is video games. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, I think a lot of the petty crime actually um is subsided in Japan just due to the yakuza and they control all the crime. So if you do some petty theft or something, they're going to come after you. <laughs> so there's a whole fear aspect in there. Yeah, I mean you don't want to fuck with those people. Yeah, it's like the example my wife today uh, told me that right down the road, some houses, like, basements were getting broken into. Oh, fuck. And it's like, like, really? Like, what the hell are they doing going through a bunch of houses? And this is, you know, primarily a military area. So it's like, dude, you're going to get blown away. <laughs> Coming to my house, like, oh, they're going to get blown away. Like, it's just what it is. Like, you know what I mean? It's crazy. John, don't break in his house. Holy shit, he's got like an automatic shotgun. Um, yeah. M- M16. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just certain people you don't want to fuck with in this world, and that's what's crazy about those people. They just break in the random house like, dude, <laughs> someone's going to waste your ass Terminator style. And the thing is, is it's all self-defense, so it's like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean... That's what our nation's based on, like you were saying. Yeah, like... Freaking crazy, man. That's what it's about, man. Right to bear fucking arms. But you almost have to. It's just the thing that sucks is, you know, the kids, and you really got to keep it safe. And especially, like, little boys, I would think, like, playing with guns and stuff, they just don't get it. Yeah. You know? Um, But, yeah. They're just... You always got to be careful of that kind of stuff. That's why I'd say, like, I would... If I had guns, I would keep it in the case and make sure no one can get it. 
Yeah, exactly. This is accessible for emergencies. But I don't have any guns in my house. I got some samurai swords, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chop them up. I'll go after a guy with my master sword. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a legit samurai. Uh, two of them. Samurai swords. So it's not like stainless steel, like, like shop at home network shit. It's a Hattori Hanzo. <laughs> yeah, man. Shopping. I was talking with my ma today about, like, the, um, you know, like, shop at home net- network and how they had the, uh, Legacy of the Wizard game and how they had, um, the Quattro Codemasters. Was there the sports, uh, venture and arcade? Mm hmm. And, uh, that's how we both got the Legacy of the Wizard, uh, cartridge, man. Exactly. It's craziness. So cool, though. But yeah, I was talking with her. She was like, "Yeah, yeah, I remember that? that was so cool." Like, and we were just so glued to like, cause you never knew what the next thing they were going to show was going to be. I think Air Fortress was also on there. Was it? I remember? Yeah, which is a shmup NES. I mean, I have it boxed. Yeah, I mean it's a mediocre, but it's it's not a horrible shmup. What one cool like little history lesson is that um. Thor Ackerland, after he won the NWC, was actually on the Home Shopping Network, like selling Nintendo games, and I think he was selling the Codemasters ones. It's pretty amazing. I'd love to get those fucking um, video of that, like on YouTube or something. It's crazy because I've I've seen people like reference it, like um, YouTubers, and they'll show like the footage real quick, and I'm like, where hmm. the fuck do they find this stuff? It's somewhere. It's kind of like wrestling when 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 I'd watch like. A- Sabu, I was trying to track down like all of his matches, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, if I saw a match, eventually I could find where it was traced from." Yeah, and uh, I eventually got all of them, basically. But that was, yeah, that was the thing. Like, it's somewhere, dude. It's fucking somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where, but it's it's there somewhere. Right. It's freaking cool, though. But yeah, like it's it'd be pretty cool to like get all that original footage somewhere. Well, I'd love to have it in the source, oh, yeah. and just even for like funny clips. Here and there. So, so speaking of events, um, I'm apparently supposed to go to the Kong off tomorrow. It's going on right now, but it was like four hours away, right? It's four hours away. I got to work tomorrow, so I posted a message on Facebook and said, "Hey, um, I got to work, so hey, um, if anybody you know has a room that I could crash, you know, with or whatever, let me know. I got an air mattress type thing. I would like to come, but I don't have a room right now, and it's you know a nice long drive." So we'll, we'll see if anybody um, has room, and I might go out there tomorrow after work and then hang out for, like, a day. Because <laughs> there's, um, a, I'm getting my third award from, <laughs> from, for my books and stuff. Oh, yeah, so. the military card. Yeah, the military card. <laughs> so is that, that's tied into your book, is that what you're saying? Um, I mean, it has, I mentioned the project on the back for my second book. So, yeah, it, it does have to do with, you know, me being a gamer in the military more so, but, you know, it does talk about my book ventures and being an author and all that. Yeah, and, and uh, I know Walter's already said he was interested in making cards out of the artwork. So, you know, the the book artwork and everything. So that'll be, get a couple extras. I'd like to get a VGBS freaking card. That'd be pretty awesome. Make sure next time Walter's around the area, we should all go visit him. Uncle Walter. Uncle Walt. One thing about the Kong off is that Richie Knuckles is running it this year, and he's been posting pictures. Apparently, already, Billy Mitchell got the first kill screen. <laughs> like, DK kill screen. I think. So he did it, like, in front of everyone? In front of everyone at the convention. <laughs> Still got it, man. Now, I had a theory about that, and, like, the older you get, like, 
your your cells die. It's entropy. Oh, basically, yeah. it's a property of, of the universe where, you know, order turns to chaos eventually. Like, eventually it will be a pile of dust. How old do you have to be to get that? And what are we currently eating that will, like, and take and ingesting into our bodies with medicine and things that are, you know, prolonging that nowadays? Yeah, that's why they need to make nanobots, because they can just cure cells and you can live forever, theoretically. As long as you don't get hit by a Mack truck or something. In theory, the, the nanobot or whatever would just go into your cell and repair it completely, and you would look young forever, and it would just live in you, and that would be it. You'd live forever. Yeah. Like, it, like, it, as long as you didn't jump off a cliff or get hit by a Mack truck. In theory, but that's probably a thousand years from now. Who's to say that it, it doesn't turn into some kind of crazy horror movie where the nanobots change everything to the quote-unquote perfection, and then everybody looks the same? It's changed to the same. Or how about someone hijacks it and makes it what they want? Yeah, or they hijack it and hack it. Yeah, because the, the idea is, yeah, they change things on a molecular level. And if it's a computer, it's going to use an algorithm, and that algorithm right. would want everything to be perfect, and if it, so it would change everything to be the same. So it's like Terminator. like Yeah. That's why Terminator's so great and so timeless, because it, it is like, you just never fucking know. Because you go that far, like, it's just... When you're on the cusp of something, like, I love it. It's called the bleeding edge, and it's called the bleeding edge for a reason. Being on the cusp of, uh, cusp of technology, this is another cool segue, is is the bleeding edge, because you will get burned. Mm-hmm. If, you get, if you get the newest product, like, you're, they're going to be like, oh, well, we just released firmware that corrects A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know why that's the perfect segue, right? Hit it up. Because yesterday they just... Op- um allowed everybody to download Windows 10 for free. Oh, yes, I was reading about Windows 10, yep. Inclu- including you and me. We all have a copy of 7 or 8. You can download it for free and be a nice guinea pig and put up with all the bugs. Yeah, I like fucking 7 myself. Augustic. Um, Apparently it it is just like 7, and it actually streamlines it better. It's supposed to be better. But um, with mine, I don't know if I have – I think I have 8. Um, but the thing is, though, is that mine's tied in with the whole uh, Alienware UI on the other account. And so if I put 10 on there and it doesn't support that, my whole computer's going to be effed up. So I'm not even going to upgrade, I don't think. Yeah, it's like a can of worms. Just not yeah. Leave I, it on the shelf. Leave that can on the shelf. There's, it's funny, though. There's people at work who, who think that there was this girl, we were in a meeting, we were just talking about the whole Windows thing. She thought Windows XP was the first one. I was like, you're crazy. Like, oh, yeah, it is, for sure, yeah. You're... And I was like, you had 3.1, which really was Windows, because they were like, NT, the way everything was broken up was with Windows, yep. um, which I had on my Packard Bell when I was like a kid, because my, my ma had it. And then from there, I got Windows 95, which was my first like real computer, which is 16 megs of, mm-hmm. 16 whole megs of RAM. So I could actually run Duke Nukem, Hexen, Doom, Heretic, uh, Wolfenstein, which is below all the others. But I could run all those games, and it was like Blood, uh, Redneck, Redneck Rampage. I was in Pig Heaven. So that was the thing. Like, that uh, Windows 95, it was a compact Presario. It was one gig, and that was like a huge fucking deal, man. Like, one gig? Like, the world like gasped at that moment. <laughs> one gig. I remember that was it was like a thousand dollars, and we um I think we hit a deal where I 
I was able to get it for like six or seven hundred. But yeah, like the asking price was like a thousand dollars, like out the gate at a lot of places. I probably waited like six months and got like a floor model. Best thing to do, try to get the floor models, the display models. I, I got an awesome Bose speaker system that way too. For like hundreds of dollars off, just because that's the one that they show everybody. It still works. Fuck nice. it. You know? You know, I've, I've changed from like doing that or getting stuff like for sale to just getting it at a Goodwill or a Second Avenue out here. It's like a resale store and just getting some speakers for like 10 bucks and they work great. If you can find them, yeah. Oh, I mean, like at Second Avenue right now, every time I go in there, they have like 50 or 60 sets of speakers in there and they're two bucks a piece. You can't go wrong. It's crazy. Like I'm tempted because I got some from, um, when at my last house, you know, I had some speakers hooked up to my uh, PVM, and they have these giant wood grain ones at Second Avenue that I see every time, and they're like ten dollars. I'm like, they're huge. It'd be like ridiculous sound. I don't really need it though, so I haven't gotten it yet. What I would do if you ever see any Bose speakers, because that's the the floor model that I found for cheap. If you ever see any Bose speakers, get them. Well, yeah, it's a good good brand. Name. It's like the best, and they're small. And they have a huge sound, and that's kind of their their gimmick. Anyone listening to BOSE, if you see something, grab it. Those are always going to be worth money. I can guarantee you. It's They're like right. a uh, a Hemi in a. It's like a Hemi in a truck. Yeah, it's like a Rolex. Or, yeah, it's like the best of the best. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's all about getting those deals, man. It's all about that bass. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about getting uh, those fucking deals. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's been a fucking crazy-ass time. Yeah, man, it's the thing with you not getting too obsessed with something to where you, like, drop $100 for it or $200 for it. Unless, you know, it's like Musha complete for $100, yeah, drop it. Yeah. Because that game's worth, like, 300 to $400 now. But if it's just something that you really want, just wait and even, like, you know, Go to Nintendo Age and make a post for it, or whatever, Atari Age, or whatever. Uh, yep. Yeah, just reach out and try to get a deal.
only thing I spend like money on nowadays is like supporting people and things like that, like supporting ventures. You've been doing that for like years. That's about it, though, man. Like, so, like, that's why, like, the whole Kickstarter thing was really cool for me. But it was like nuts that you know people were just like don't support certain ones, and then there's other ones that they just set themselves up for failure. It's funny though, uh, Retro Liberty. I'm boycotting everything till I get a proper Bionic Commando sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Speaking of uh, Retro Liberty, um, they liked one of my pictures I just uploaded because I did the Nintendo Ace competition. The um, you have have to do Double Dragon two with the lowest points possible. And I did a no death run with only kicks and punches. (laughs) Um. And I got thirty four thousand. I'll probably win, won't it? No, there's some dude that got fifteen. I don't know how the wow. fuck he did. I, I he had to have cheated or not. He didn't, but I was like, dude, you had to have cheated because I had fifteen by the fucking fourth stage. How does that work though? The uh, how does the whole point read out as far as knees and hurricane kicks? I didn't do any, but I think those are worth like a uh, hundred a piece or a thousand a piece. I think a thousand a piece. How did you take out, like, the big dudes? Um, I was... The Arnolds, you can, like, kind of get into them, and you can punch the shit out of them. A Bobo's, you gotta do, like, a kick. Um, and then the end boss, dude, all you do is keep on tapping up or down and the back kick, and you can keep hitting them. <laughs> it's, I glitched the shit out of them. It was great. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I was never knew that about Shadow Boss, like... That was great as hell. It's should have taped that, dude. I would have loved to watch that. Dude, it was fucking awesome. I was yeah. my my adrenaline was going the whole time. You but, should um, have taped my uh, Crisis Force run today. It was the same thing. Yeah, my heart yeah. was like beating out of my chest. The end bosses are like always easy in games, though. It's weird, you know. Just five is a pain in the ass for me. Little ship and all that. Hey, you're going. You shoot behind you at first, and then you go scrolls down, then scrolls back up, and then you you fight the little lasers, and then you. The fucking green little goddamn yin yangs that follow you around, that pisses me off. Yeah, the guy that he like goes to each side. Um, it's funny because the, the fire level, the first time I played it, I didn't get it once. And then, like, the second time I played it, I got my ass kicked by it. It's so weird. <laughs> Depends on what power ups you have, man, and what ship you use. It really does. Because there's certain spots, like, like the one spot where all the guys like jump out of the water, kind of like the foot soldiers do and turtles. Too. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, that part, if you don't have the homing missiles, like I tried to do it with no power ups, and it was kicking my ass. You go with the homing missiles, and you don't get hit. So it's it's do or die, man. Here's the thing with, and we'll talk about more later, but with with Gradius, Gradius, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I played that like fifty times more than I played this, like. I played mm-hmm. that game for like two hours every day for like a month before I did my no death run. And let me tell you, at that point, you can do it in your fucking sleep. Oh yeah, it gets as long as it's a well programmed game and not like glitch fest, you know. That's why I think like Crisis Force does have um a perfect difficulty. Um, yeah. hard actually, all it does is it makes all of the bosses and a lot of the enemies take more hits. That's all it does. So that's why I started to see some slowdown because in Easy or medium, especially, I can clear out everything really quick and not really notice any slowdown. That's why I thought there was no slowdown. But in hard, I was like, oh, yeah, I see a little slowdown now. Because <laughs> they're staying around a little longer, so then there's more enemies. And 
But that's that's the thing. Like Kevin said, there's a lot of slowdown, but he must have let a lot of people live. Exactly. Because that's I mean, that's the thing. You know, he's admittedly said that, he's not the best at shoot 'em up, so I, I could see that. You got the level six though. I was like, I think I, I got to level five the first. time I got I to level five the first time I played too. So like, yeah. Um. So let's go full circle back to Kickstarter real quick, because uh-huh. there's um. There's two guys that launched, and they're friends of mine that launched Kickstarters recently. Okay. Um, one's called Little Player, um, and basically what it is is it's a video game magazine for kids. That's cool. Um, and it's launched by Martin Alessi. Um, if you don't know who Martin Alessi is, no. he is actually <laughs> he was the editor in chief for EGM back in the day, back in the Electronic Gaming Monthly. Cool. Yeah, he was the editor. Subscribe to that for a little bit. That's what I'm saying. So he's the editor in chief. And he wow. didn't launch this properly at all. He put um twelve grand on it, and that's how much it would cost him to do a one year subscription for everybody. Okay. But he, he, I don't know where he got his numbers from because right now he has eighteen hundred dollars that he's made, and there's eight days left. So there's no way and he has sixty backers. So there's like no way he's gonna make it, and. After I was funded, he messaged me and we talked it over. And I'm like, we got, and I did our whole analysis type thing with him. And basically, we got it that he is marketing it at the wrong crowd. People on Kickstarter, I'm like one of the few that has like a daughter that would actually benefit from this. Like, I'm extremely interested in this magazine because London, my daughter, can, you know, grow up reading things that are, you know, selective so there's nothing mature in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But everybody on Kickstarter, they don't give a shit about that. Like, that's not what he needs. He needs to be doing this a completely different way. How, like, censored is it? 7 to 12 is what he's looking at. Here here was my suggestion to him, is that you got to go grassroots with this shit. Um, what he has to do is, is that I could see this being at, like, a book fair at a grade school. Like, you know, remember when we used to get out of class? Oh, I from- love book fair, dude. The, if you saw freaking like Yoshi's Island or Mario Brothers at a book fair, you'd pick It'd it up. Be gravitation and station, yeah. Exactly. And every single teacher would want this in their classroom because not only are the teachers now our age, the teachers are 10 years younger than us getting out of college. So those people all grew up with video games now and they would like something targeted towards their kids that their kids could read in their classroom. So he should be calling every single school district in the country and selling this. He he could make way more than the twelve grand he wants for this, like like easily. And that's what I told him. I was like, "You got friends because he's part of the whole Walter Day community with you know um, Twin Galaxies and all that." I'm like, "Dude, I would happily call up all the schools around me and see what they is if they even were interested at all, just to make the phone call for him." And I know a lot of other people would do it too. And so he should do that. And then the other side is, is that I don't know where he's getting these numbers from. He should do what I'm doing and self-publish. Yeah, I was going to ask about a publisher. Yeah, exactly. Like, he shouldn't use a publisher. I think he's trying to use a publisher. He said he paid, like, money to have marketing done for this, too. So some company marketed his magazine to, like, all the major websites and things. And marketed to the wrong people, obviously. Because nobody, it didn't work. So whatever, he should be asking for a refund from that, number one. But number two is that, like, he needs to just market it towards, you can't market it towards 7 to 12-year-olds. You have to market it to who? Their parents. 
in order to find their parents, you have to go to the school boards and things because most of the parents and grandparents, they don't know how to use Kickstarter. Like, like I told, I told, my, no. I told my parents and my sister, <laughs> about Kickstarter. No. they're like, what's that? Yeah, like, right. My, my sister, I don't know what that is. Archaic so, times. Exactly. So it's like, dude, you're, you're completely marketing to the wrong people. And that was yeah. our conversation was marketing um, to a bunch of fucking mummies. Exactly. Like it's, <laughs> you're, you're marketing it to a bunch of people that want to play some video games and they don't really care about the content. That's not an issue because it doesn't affect them. But like going to the school boards, and I told him he actually lives out near Chicago. Um, I told I told him like go to all the Chicago school districts, and I mentioned that you know my buddy actually works at a lot of the schools, doing tech support and stuff. So I was like, dude, I mean, if I ask him, he probably wouldn't have an issue, you know, talking about a video game magazine, to, you know, or at least getting you some names and numbers. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where like he just has to make it work for him, and I I think though like he'll be able to do you know little post campaign because he said even though he's not going to get funded, he, still the publicity and the getting the name out there it's already done. Just like with my campaign, the name's out there. You know what I mean? Like now you actually made something and you're visible. So now it's time to capitalize, and that's what that's what he should do. Truth is out there. Yeah, and I just told him, I was like, go to, um, I told him to, like, go to self-publishing, um, start making them, and then sell them, then sell them at cost, you know what I mean, to get your name out there, and that's what he should do. And then, <laughs> the second Kickstarter that came out, and it just came out yesterday, and it's, it's going to fail. <laughs> okay, so, this is my, this is another guy that's a buddy of mine, and when he said he was thinking about doing it, or he posted something like, hey, my Kickstarter's almost ready, I'm like, hey, talk to me first before you launch. Who is it? Carrie, it's Carrie Cheney. Um, he runs that place arcade in Ohio. Um, and basically, man, I told him like, hey, contact me. Because like he launched, alright? So let's let's go over the details of this, alright? So basically he's trying to run his own arcade and pinball expo, his own convention in 2016. He wants to raise eighteen thousand dollars for that. So just a one day thing? It's a, you know, two-day or three-day thing, something like that. Jeez, it better be fucking, like, naked women, like, greeting me at the door and shit. <laughs> it, and it, it won't be. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, is that you it doesn't cost you $18,000 to go there. It costs, tw- he said it, it costs, like, over $12,000 just to rent the place, an entire hall. Yeah, he said the rental rental fee for the facility is fifteen grand for three days. Um, and then... And then there's additional costs such as electric, booths, advertising, etc. So that's where the extra six grand comes into. But anyways, aside from that, that doesn't make that doesn't matter. Eighteen grand's you know fine. That's not okay. an issue at all. Depends what he's charging the individual. And that's where his issue is. Um, now the eighteen grand, um, looking at it, you know that makes sense. That's not a problem. He has like no tears. This is where it's crazy. I was like. When, when he launched it yesterday, I was like reading it while I was like, when I got home before I got in my car, and I'm like, all his tears add up to 18 grand. That's it. And they're all limited. So basically, he has t shirts for $25 t shirts. Now, I've been looking into it, and it's going to cost almost $25 a shirt to make them, unless I order in a, a bulk of like 100, which I, obviously he did. But. It's like number one, he should be charging thirty or forty dollars just so that way you know you're supporting him too and getting the t-shirt. 
it's kind of like with my with my Kickstarter. I I add he's he didn't add in fees. That's another thing that I noticed. So he's going to charge twenty five dollars a pop, and even if he makes all his eighteen grand, he's not going to get eighteen grand. He's going to lose all the Kickstarter fees. So um, the T shirt though is an issue because he's not going to make any money on that for his actual after cost and shipping and all that extra stuff and you know, getting the stuff shipped to him. He's not going to have any money for to do this expo. And then the other thing is that um, it was $100 for a VIP meet and greet and dinner with arcade notables and celebrities. They don't even say who it is. It says TBA, but it'll oh. be but it'll be good. <laughs> so that's that there's 50 of those for $100. And then for $500 Free admission all weekend at the expo and the meet and greet dinner and a t-shirt. So if you get rid of the dinner and get rid of the t-shirt, basically he's saying $375 is how much it's going to cost for admission at this expo. Like I'm saying, that better be one fucking awesome expo. But that's the thing. So so like his pricing is all over the place. He yeah. um Since I backed it, because I, I backed it for a t-shirt because it was cheap um, and I want to support my buddy. But um he added a bumper sticker for $10. Nice price because the bumper sticker probably cost him a dollar. You add in the extra stuff and you probably make five bucks for the expo. Good idea. And then he added the weekend pass, which is $40. So I guess the weekend pass is 40 bucks to go to the expo. That's not bad. That's really good. That's like a ticket. Like it's like, it's like normal. Yeah. And then he said it's going to be $60 at the door or something. So you save 20 bucks by bagging him here. Great. I great idea. Now he didn't launch with this with these items, so that's a mistake. Like he should have had all his tiers broke out because you're gonna get your your most of your traffic right at the first day, like out the gate, fresh shit. Like when the when the bread's just out the oven, like and you're searchable. Yep. He launched it on a good day, but um, and then at seventy five dollars, which would be thirty five dollars more, you get a weekend admission and an expo T shirt. So now the Expo t-shirt is costing $10 more on a different tier for no reason. I hate that. And I see it right here. So, I mean, the t-shirt should be $35 anyways. It shouldn't be $25. It should be $35. But then when you don't add it up correctly, like I made sure all my stuff was added up correctly. This one isn't. And so now yeah. he has at least more than the thing. But right now he's two days in and he's made $900 out of eighteen grand. So he's dead in the water. Because if you Jeez. don't, if and th this is what I was going to explain to him is that you have a bunch of buddies in the arcade community. You need to do what I did, which is you market it beforehand to people you know that are interested. So when you launch, they're already jumping on it. And if you can get your backing up to about twenty-five to fifty percent within the first day or two, you're good. Because then people see it as, oh, it's been a couple of days, fifty percent. Let's back it. Now, if anybody searches for this, they're like, "Oh, it's an arcade expo," but they're not even close. They're not. They're not even a, a tenth of the way there yet. Like, so people aren't aren't going to be willing to chip in, which is what he needs. Yeah, and you got to be able to do the math right. And the but that's a big common thing. I've actually called out two restaurants in Chicago. The same issue. I was like, "Why is this more than this?" And I swear, I swear to you, a week later they changed it. Of course they did. They just didn't notice, man. No, nobody has attention to detail. Exactly. That's the key. That's the key. No one has attention to detail. Mm -mm. And no one takes ownership for anything, and that's just the way it is. 
Yeah. So, I mean, with this whole thing, though, once he takes out Kickstarter fees, I mean, he's going to be, like, at the amount to rent the hall. <laughs> if he gets funded, he'll be at the amount to rent the hall. Like, he'll be probably at 14 before taxes. So, that's not good. Like, he needed to... Yeah, he should have talked to me because I would have at least explained to him the basics of what I learned by running my own. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. I, that's why I would consult you like right away because you've been there. It's the foresight. See, you have the foresight because you've been there, so I can know what to expect and know how it's going to go. Which is like I'm saying, you know, if you're going to take apart a system or something, watch a video first because you don't want to rip off that lid and find out that you just like severed a wire. And I mean, the perfect example is that um, the Nintendo Quest. If somebody ever says that you know you can't just put down like a grand and you won't you won't make that much more money, they put a grand on theirs and they made forty grand because people liked it and backed it. So I mean, there's no reason to put eighteen grand when if he could do it, you know, with other funding too, kind of like Red Ash or Bloodstained or Egovania and all that stuff. Like, if you can do it with other means, if you just want to give backers bonus items and things, put a grand on it or something, and and then it'll get funded and people can get their items. I mean, that'll be my thing, is if I decide to go back to Kickstarter for any reason, which I don't know if I will unless I find the perfect project, but say, like, I do a second volume because we hit our post-project stretch goals, um, I might throw that in Kickstarter and say, hey, um, one grand, you know, you guys can get all these awesome Kickstarter exclusive items. Help us out. Help out our projects so we can do more. I mean, I could see myself doing something like that, but I'm not going to do another crazy Kickstarter where we have to meet a certain amount until it's a perfect project again like this last one was. It's just it's one of those things where you got to have some good marketing sense. <laughs> I mean, it's it's simple, but it's not simple. <laughs> it's a special kind of person that can like see things yeah. from a perspective that's like okay this works um, a lot of people are just kind of too in their own world to where it, it works on their plane but it doesn't work on a global kind of scale I mean my excitement I had for my project I'm like man what if we get a million dollars like that's how excited I was for it because I was like man this is awesome like the artwork everything worked, lined up perfectly and it worked to the point where you know, I was actually able to get funded, which I'm completely happy with. But, like, the excitement that I had, you know, I was like, man, this is like a million-dollar idea. You know, you're pumping yourself up type thing. In reality, you know, it's popular enough, but I didn't have the um, resources to uh, market it on a huge scale. Like, if I was freaking the AVGN, that would have been a million-dollar idea. They said uh, Ted Turner, Monday Nitro, he made all his money in the very beginning. From buying little plots of land and putting highway signs and then selling those signs to companies. People have to see your product. They had their My eyes have to see your product. You basically have to shove it down my throat for me to know that it exists. How else will I know? I won't. Exactly. And, and you're a perfect example because you're off the grid. If, if Kyle knows about something, then it's pretty popular, like knowing about Windows 10 and things. Like it has to be, it has to be pretty popular for you to know about it, and you know, not excluding that what you learn talking with us on podcast or something like that. But like, if you learn about it on your own, like it's a pretty fucking popular thing, and it's a perfect example that like 
if we were on like i feel like if my project was on the main stage of e3 like shenmue 3 like it would have been a million dollar project that's how it, i mean it sells itself but the fact is is on my small scale i felt like we did amazing oh <laughs> huge like i'm extremely impressed and everything fell into place as i said before i couldn't have went more perfect no it's beautiful it's like the culmination of a life devoted to gaming exactly and what's really cool too is that like it was about the amount that we can handle too like about game wise and stuff like it's not too many for us to do it ourselves and the shipping it won't be too many like if we started getting over like five hundred thousand backers like man that would have been consuming but we were around under 200 backers, so we're, we're good. So it's, it's a good amount to be able to handle on a individual scale. Yeah, I mean, that's what people have to understand, too, that some things people might complain that, you know, things are overpriced or whatever, but you're supporting a project, and we don't have fucking factory to, like, hammer out this shit like sprockets or something. That's why I had to explain to people, and, and the irony was is that I had, you know, people in the uh, homebrew community talking smack on my pricing because, like, they were even, you know, talking with me and, you know, going, oh, well, a box doesn't cost this. It'll, you could probably do it for this. And I'm like, when I actually did all the pricing, like, no, it was, like, my budget was, like, razor thin once I did it all out on my ex- expense spreadsheet after the project was done. I'm like, man, we're going to be really fucking close. Like, I'm glad I overestimated on a few items because it's probably going to even out so that way we could actually make everything happen. Because what if I made one error where, uh, for example, I only charged $5 for shipping and $10 for overseas shipping? You think it might be $6 for shipping and $12 for overseas shipping and then I got to pay times another $600 to $1,000 in shipping? That's that's an easy mistake, and it cost a thousand dollars right there. What if I did that with another item? But it's easy when you're like you're not you know invested in it. Well, and then the other thing was is the guys involved with the Homer community. I'm like, where were you when I was pricing all this shit out months before I started my campaign and trying to find all the you know the people that can do these do boxes and you know um, carts and all that stuff. I'm like, where were you then? You're over here naysaying now that I've had the project going, but didn't try to help me out find a good deal back then. <laughs> That's when you really find who your friends are and who who's just, you know. An, em- an empty shell. <laughs> or fake, which is even worse. Exactly. It's just people who, who don't tell you like what they really feel outright when up to your face. And- yeah. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. Alright, see you later. Woo! Later! Thank you.